Hello, and welcome to the CRJ 757 John Reed Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be going over the roles that police play in our community and the roles that we could play in setting their organizational goals. See, for today's episode, we have the three perspectives on policing. I have my interview with Chelsea, my interview with Raku, and some clips from the PBA representative, Tom. Chelsea, she speaks about her ideas on police reform. Raku speaks on his idea of not only defunding the police, but to change their responsibilities over to unarmed service providers. And the PBA representative, Tom, speaks on his idea of increasing, significantly increasing police in high crime neighborhoods. Here, Chelsea highlights her three pros of police reform. One pro of police reform is that everyone will be treated equally regardless of their rights. Another pro of police reform is that the community will have more faith in the police. Another pro of police reform is that training will be focused on skills that will better suit the community. Chelsea also spoke about her three main cons of police reform. One con of police reform is that police will not accept change. Another con of police reform is no amount of training would change implicit bias. Another con of police reform is that the community does not believe it will work because of lack of trust in the police. As we can see with Chelsea's clearly defined pros and cons list, uh, there is a lot of mistrust on both sides for the officers and the community, and it'll take a lot of this specific police reform course of action to take place and find a setting in the community. Conversely, I spoke with Rocco, who is a big supporter of not only defunding the police, but handing over their responsibilities to unarmed service providers. Here's what he had to say. Well, some of the benefits of defunding the police and having unarmed service providers is that it's a much less threatening approach. I mean, Officers have their uniforms and their batons and everything, and it's really threatening to the civilians and to the people. There's a disconnect even just calling them civilians. It needs to be more community-oriented, and that's uh, why we should defund the police and, and have them unarmed. The unarmed feeling would be so good. I mean, when you have no guns then civilians can't get killed. Citizens can't get killed. They're not fearing for their safety. They're not fearing for their life. And as a people, what we're putting first is mental health. Mental health and the well-being of a person is the first thing that 
an officer, and they want to even be officers. They're just service providers now. They're here to, to, to help. So it will just completely just change policing completely, and I think it will, that's the direction that we should go in for this great state of America. I always appreciate Raku and love having conversations with him. It's interesting to see his um, point of view on things. He he said that there is a disconnect, which I completely agree with. Things should be more community-oriented. I agree with that as well. He uh, mentioned a violent approach, which, you know, for some people, it leaves, it leaves a trauma, to say the least, uh, for lack of a better word. But uh, I believe that there's another side of the coin that he really doesn't address with his approach that, you know, EMS will still need to respond to violent crimes or even if they're responding to emotionally disturbed people who are violent, you will want a police officer on scene. Uh, the other side of the coin is that he doesn't really uh, tackle the issue of the Second Amendment. It is the right to bear arms of every citizen, so it's not like we're in a country that it's completely banned for everyone. In fact, it's a, it's a right for everyone. Um, and we're not in a society or a country where mental health and mental illness is the predominant issue. We do have it as a great issue, but there are countless violent crimes. And in our next segment, we hear a clip from the PBA's representative who uh, stated his perspective on that and what he believes we should go, we should do from there. Every Black Lives Matter activist is just out here speaking about, oh, this officer shot an unarmed black person, and that's just the narrative out there. What about the armed black people that are killing others? So we're not speaking about that. We're not talking about high crime areas. It's like a very highfalutin thing because you live in these cushy neighborhoods, and then you want to talk about crime that happens in the hood as if you live there. You don't know the norms and the realities of being in these type of neighborhoods. So how can you speak to it? Most people in the neighborhoods, in the in these high crime neighborhoods, they like the police. They want more policing. It should be that way because that way they get all the drug dealers, all the gangbangers, all the people that are robbing and committing violent crimes off the streets. So we have Raku on the left that believes that there shouldn't be any cops at all. And we have the PBA president or representative rather that says that we need more cops in high crime areas. Now those are two polar opposite ideologies. And in most cases, people find themselves gravitating towards the middle. But even in this situation, as Chelsea explained, with police reform, 
there's pros and cons. So, how should we tackle this issue of policing? I believe that we have to start with the goals of the NYPD. And we should completely revamp the entire system and kind of start from scratch. So, the goal of the NYPD should be to make New York City the safest big city in the world. Because that's the slogan that the mayor currently says and states and stands behind. But I don't think that every New York City resident feels that way. Making New York City the safest big city in the world shouldn't be just a catchphrase. There's more to it. So, I believe, or rather I envision, replacing a New York City police commissioner with a New York City police commissioner board. Much like Fortune 500 companies, and like the president himself who has a cabinet, when you have more than one person making decision and final say, we'll get better results. Simply put that, six heads will be better than one. And I think the way to buy in, to get everyone to buy into it, is to get three police chiefs and three elected board members. So the city of New York, the citizens of the city of New York, will get to vote as they do for their next mayor, for their next three board members. And when the board members campaign and make promises, they'll be able to hold them to it and vote for the ones that are doing good and the ones that they think can can be improved upon, they can just vote them out. For the other three members of the board that are police chiefs, I believe the New York City police officers should get to vote for who they would like to to have a seat at that table. That way we're eliminating politics and we're making it about fair fairness and inclusion. And that's also on behalf of the community and the police. Because most of what's going on and most of the policies are being decided at the top. But who is affecting the most of the everyday people and the officers that are out there in the streets the most. So by giving them power to decide who sits at the table that ultimately affects their lives, it's gonna give it's gonna create a good balance. And I think people from both sides of the spectrum that are polar opposite on this can still sit at the table and, and have a discussion and decide what's best. <clears throat> the police commission, the police chiefs will have to explain why things are tactically sound and why certain things have to be done. And they'll conversely have to listen to the elected board members and and 
and the needs of the community. And I don't believe that this is a radical change. I think that this vision can be realized. Uh, it's rather simple and, uh, and very effective. A good example of this is the body-worn cameras. Now, police understand that it is a change that needs to be done. Um, police actually embrace it themselves because me personally, I've, I've gotten sued and I was able to use my body camera in a civil court disposition to explain that I pulled the vehicle over because it had heavily, it was heavily tinted and I was able to explain things and refer back to my body camera. Now, the very bad thing about body-worn cameras is when it was first issued to us, they, told, they stated to us, under no circumstances will an officer be penalized in regards to body cameras. They said that this would not be used as another tool to punish officers. And as it stands now, the only time I've been in trouble is for failure to bring a body-worn camera. I failed to take it to the tree lighting event in New York City, which is a mistake on my part. However, they're backtracking on their initial word. And that happens a lot on the police side and as well on the community side, and it causes a lot of mistrust. So the best thing that will that'll come out of this is accountability. When officers say that, when the police commissioner boards say that they're going to do something, they're going to be held accountable by all members of the board, and they're going to see a plan through. It wouldn't be a plan temporarily set in place, and then when something else happens, they'll just change it and forget about what they, they said initially and, and redo it and not give the proper time for things to unfold. Another example of how this would work is that the community themselves will benefit. Most of the summonses that are written or even dating back to the stop and frisk, there were pressure from the chiefs at the top that wanted numbers. And although today there aren't any quotas explicitly given, there's still an expectation of you writing. And that's just for, honestly, numbers sake at some point. It doesn't have a real rhyme or reason behind it. And I believe with a board, the community would get to advocate for for their constituencies, which is every citizen of the city of New York, and say that, no, we don't want cops issuing summonses. We don't want things such as stop and frisk. We don't want um, the, the use of over-policing and, and, and using small tactics to harass citizens. And at that point, you're at the highest level, you can put a stop to it. And you'll have a discussion as to when and where it's applicable and how to teach officers to use it effectively and, and, and use it 
as a means to deter crime and make New York City the safest big city in the world, as opposed to making it about having to, to deliver on numbers. So to wrap up today's con- podcast, um, I'd like to summarize what we went over today, which was the three perspectives. We uh, had a conversation or interview with Raku, and he explained why he believed that defunding the police and reallocating their resources to an entity that isn't police, but rather service providers, unarmed service providers, how that can be a benefit to the community. We had the opposite side of the spectrum, which was Tom, a clip from the PBA representative that said we needed more policing in high crime areas. And we had our interview with Chelsea, where she kind of broke down the main three pros and cons that she believed that come with defunding the police and getting them and getting everyone on the same page. And I think that's really what this boiled down to is getting everybody at the same page. And I think with the idea of removing one police commissioner and replacing it with a police commissioner board, it opens up for equity, inclusion, it's transparent and most importantly, the voices of the people are heard. And it's the people that are out there every day, which are the officers out there every day, that are affected by the policy changes. And it's the citizens in the communities that are violent in nature and underserved that will come to the forefront with Black Lives Matter and putting it out there that these three police commissioner elected, I mean, police commissioner board elected members will have to fight for the the rights of all citizens and keep in mind the how it's going to affect black and underprivileged communities. So there is no one way to do everything correctly, but I think that this is a great step forward. It's laying down the foundation to have a strategic plan. I believe that you get a lot of support for it internally with officers and externally with the community. And it's ultimately giving people what they want, which is a fair shot. So I'd like to thank you guys for listening to my John Reed CRJ Part 757 Policing Community Podcast and how uh, we can set the organizational goals. Hopefully this ends up in the air of the right people and we can make the change to make New York City the safest big city in the world. And that statement to ring true for every citizen of the city of New York. So once again, thank you. And thank you for bearing with me with my voice. I have vocal surgery coming up next month because it changes. So thank you for bearing with me with that as well. But again, hope you guys enjoyed the podcast and see you next time.